0: To say there's a shortage of nurses is really a misnomer. There's a shortage of nurses that are willing at this point to work in really toxic, unsafe conditions. Period. It's not a shortage of the amount of nurses. And that is the rhetoric that they want the public to believe. When I first went into leadership, I was drinking the Kool-Aid all those years, and I thought, there's a nursing shortage. And then I got to see behind the scenes, and see administrators and managers throw this term around because it's such a convenient excuse to get out of staffing.
1: Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show, where we're
2: bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse,
1: blogger, and podcaster. And I am Sam. I'm a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we're talking off the clock with nurse erica Mm -hmm. we're getting kind of literally off the clock about the side of nursing we don't really get to see as
2: bedside ever get to see and also the side of nursing that you don't see in social media or media ever which is management kind of not supposed to talk about it i know we're we're gonna to the last pizza party today so this is gonna be fun um happy almost turkey day gobble
1: gobble let's go okay Actually, this could honestly probably be its own unpopular opinion, but we have a different one we want to address today. <laughs> Actually, fuck it. We're giving you two unpopular opinions. Here we go. Turkey's trash. Mm. Turkey's disgusting. Whose turkey are you eating? Because I love our turkey. There's no... Okay. First of all, are you a white meat or dark meat? Okay. I'm white meat, but also you're forgetting... <laughs> <laughs> you're all, well, I like dark meat you're too, taking, but no. we also do a fried turkey. Okay. Okay. That's the that's way of taking something that's not good and finding out how to make it tolerable. <laughs> If you're having dry turkey, I totally understand. All turkey's dry. I disagree. I like turkey. Ham is better than turkey. Oh, false. Whoa. (laughs) We're we're breaking up. This is the last episode of the selfie show, you guys. (laughs) And it was we're in a such a fun journey, but this mom is, and mom are
2: breaking up. Done,
1: done. We're done here. You like ham? Ham over is better turkey? than turkey. No. Yes. Absolutely not. And then if I'm gonna eat turkey, I need the dark meat only. I know dark meat like Who with the
2: skin. I like the dark meat in like soup the next day if it's like really nice,
1: like a broth. White meat, I don't care if it's deep fried, how moist it is, mm. I'm still gonna have to choke it down because turkey sucks. Where are you at with prime rib? everything okay yeah christmas dinner is better than thanksgiving dinner another unpopular opinion that mm. is also the correct one See, and i disagree because our family are like thanksgiving dinner at our family's everything like we go
2: everything's from scratch everything is so i mean i love I just think our turkey thanksgiving dinner. sucks like i would mm. rather have a
1: prime rib we have prime rib on christmas horseradish prime Ooh, rib yeah. prime rib has even the worst prime rib is still better than the best turkey <laughs> So even if you fuck it up and you accidentally don't cook your prime rib good, it's still better than someone's best effort turkey, in my opinion. God, it's so funny because the turkeys that we have
2: are the, okay, and I will say this. I don't naturally go to turkey right away. That's not my natural, like, go-to in terms of protein. But the one that my aunt makes is so freaking good. I, I don't know. You need to have some hurt. We, we need to have you over and do some turkey. I just think turkey doesn't give.
1: Justification here. Turkey doesn't give. Redemption for the turkey. I think <laughs> even you could give someone's A-game turkey, and I would rather have ham. Mm. Like, even a honey-baked ham. Ew. Yeah. I said I said, no yeah. no and then I like Christmas dinner better because prime rib or if you go the like tamale route and stuff like that I'm here for that too that that's good too calm. okay I like that but that's off the Thanksgiving yeah, I, like I think the food gets so hyped and I like all the sides Thanksgiving sides yes bring them all but the turkey yeah, I'm like mm, no whatevs. I'd rather have ham I will
2: never go for ham ham is just the one um, No, nope 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 no. I'm not a ham girl
1: no thank I you a ham. i ham
2: I'm a all- thank pork you never girl. bacon <laughs>
1: Ham, all the
2: pork. Okay. Pork belly. Okay, I have another one for you. Yeah. People who drink Bloody Mary's are superior. You're welcome. People who drink (laughs) Bloody Mary's are mentally (laughs) ill. Oh my God, a good Bloody Mary with some olives and some lemon Whoever and Whoever even horseradish. looked at a tomato and said this should be a juice. Oh my God, it's Like, so who looked good. at a tomato and said I should drink Delicious. this? Delicious. I am obsessed with Bloody Marys. I just have to talk about that. It's so good. I, I get disgusted when like, I watch if a restaurant, people drink them. If a restaurant has a Bloody Mary bar, I'm in. Done.
1: Like, give Especially all the Especially hungover things. and then I watch people start to drink Bloody Marys. <laughs> yes! I will barf on your face. Because it's salty. I can't do sweet all the time. I need a little salty in my life. You know what I mean? They're so good. I'm plenty salty. (laughs) I don't. Say salty. Fundamentally, I don't understand a Bloody Mary, the concept of tomato juice. I think it's mentally ill people. (laughs) That engage in this behavior. Come at me, bro. I think it should be in the DSM. I think it's <laughs> like something that we could diagnose because you're unwell. Oh,
2: for sure. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on that. Definitely unwell. But um, I will say this when you're skiing, when you're up in the mountains, it's a big thing. Like bloody Marys are a huge thing because I when will you're take skiing, hot
1: chocolate, thank you. Mm, no, that's not the way. Honestly, Honestly my Mary. stomach's like hurting thinking about a bloody Mary. That's so gross. Like three runs and then you get yourself a bloody Mary done. Yum. I wish <laughs> you guys could see my face of just utter disgust right now so good oh more for you and thank you I you have a Bloody Mary I will have a mimosa Mm. and be the queen that I am (laughs) thank you okay okay queen of queens power move all right got it well those are those are the unpopular opinions of the week and Uh. we're gonna kick it off this week and get right into it with Mm -hmm. our guest nurse Erica. She is an advocate, an IG and TikTok creator, which is actually, I love seeing someone in like the nursing administration world on TikTok. I know. She's like the this only This is why one. we love her. Yes, it's awesome. So we're really getting into her with some of the dynamics that we see in healthcare, specifically nursing management, unions, gaslighting, talking about the nursing shortage we've been hearing about since the end of time she also co-founded the last pizza party with nurse
2: nander and advocates for change because she really recognizes that the nursing profession we're just kind of at a crazy point and we need to shift our mindset we really need to start talking about these things and so she created this The Pizza Party, which is a movement for nurse advocacy. We're so here for this because she's really inspiring. She's educating and, most important, leading, which today we're going to get into it with her. We're so excited. She started as a CNA. She became a nurse. She's worked adult, pediatrics, hospice settings, and she really gets into the toxicity, retaliation, organizing, and
1: really, honestly, moving forward as a profession. So I love that she's actually opening up about it and that collaboration is where we can actually get change Mm -hmm. working together with both sides instead of us versus management yes
2: for sure and she gives a lot of good tips also for anyone who wants to go into management you know just some really great things so without further ado let's get into the show with nurse erica Ugh, Erica, you're killing it. We are obsessed with everything that you are
1: doing. OK, but first off, because we always start our shows like this, we need to know what is your unpopular opinion?
0: I would be remiss if I didn't say crossing a picket line is in itself bullying and betrayal of your entire profession. Oh, oh. This is
1: unpo- ooh, OK, let's let's hear expand. Yeah. yeah, I got my popcorn out. I <laughs> actually I honestly I'm not even lying. I really do have popcorn right now. So yeah,
0: and cold That's- brew. This is a known tactic used by union busters for ages and ages. You know, there's the real issues in the left hand and they want to distract you with something completely separate in the right hand to keep you occupied with that. So you're not dealing with the stuff in the left hand. Like this is a common, common, common tactic. And it's sad that I have to sit back and watch nurses that should really be enjoying that this is like the the most exciting time in modern times for nursing that we are finally getting our power back and not harnessing the power that we have. So that's that's really unfortunate.
2: Yeah. Right, it's about the whole profession, right? It's about what we're doing as yeah. uh, in the nursing community. And I also what I like is that you really tackle like very big global issues for healthcare in general. Like you're you're really getting a bird's eye view and you're giving a perspective. I love your perspective and we're gonna get into your background a little bit, but I just love everything that you're doing in the sense of you're really highlighting the big issues, which is what we should be focusing on.
0: Absolutely, we should be focused on legislation that will be integral in, into changing things for the nursing profession and teaching nurses how to stand up and advocate and harness their power. I mean, we're we are probably the largest labor force in this country or one of the largest. There is no reason for us to be suppressed and taken advantage of like this if we could just harness our power in numbers.
1: Well, I don't think we've ever really seen ourselves like band together. And we've said this a bunch on the show before, but We come into the profession accepting that, well, this is just the way that it's always been. So that's why it's always Mm -hmm. stayed that way.
2: So we want to get into this. I want to hear about your background and, you know, where this all started. Like, give us a little synopsis or like the spiel.
0: Okay. Uh, I've worked in nursing for over 20 years. I started as a CNA right out of high school. Did that for a while. My head wasn't really in the game for going to school full time. Had a bad boyfriend. It was a whole thing. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> and, <laughs> On brand. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. I just could not get it together at that point. But uh, every nurse that I worked with as a CNA was like, you have to go back to school. You know that, right? Like, you need to be a nurse. So I finally did. Uh, got my ADN at community college. Started working. Uh, always thought I was going to be an adult ICU nurse. But I happened to start in pediatrics and PICU. Uh, because they just happened to be hiring nurse apprentices, and I stayed there as a new grad for a while. Left and went and did adults, which I thought was the plan. Turns out I don't like that so much. Same. <laughs> uh, did that for a couple of years. Went back into the pediatric world. I've done everything pediatric related, oncology, you name it. Uh, eventually, got went back and got my BSN and MSN. Eventually transitioned into leadership where I've been for the last, I don't know, five-ish, four or five-ish years. And uh, the last maybe three years or so, I've been doing hospice and palliative care in a leadership position, and it's both um, adult and pediatric hospice.
1: So what actually got you into advocacy, though, because that's now been something you're really passionate about. That's the platform that you're kind of standing on and representing. So what brought you into that role? You know, I think
0: I've always just been a natural advocate. I'm just my personality type is one to call out the bullshit. If I feel like something isn't isn't Fair or equitable, I'm always the first one to stand up and say absolutely not, even before nursing and in my personal life. So that just kind of comes naturally to me. But, you know, I've just always been appalled, I guess is a good word, at seeing nurses that will just like bitch and moan all day at the nurse's station every single day, year after year. And then as soon as you say, okay, well, we set this meeting up with HR or, or, um, here's this, we need you to sign this. Everyone else has already signed it. You know, we need to be, uh, organized in this. And they're immediately like, what? No, I, no, I can't do that. The threat of retaliation is so palpable in the nursing mm-hmm. profession. And, and this is a constant throughout. It doesn't matter like what state, what specialty, inpatient, outpatient, it doesn't matter The threat of retaliation is so, so real and palpable that it truly scares nurses off. And that's why we've been so unsuccessful in the past with organizing. I mean, I'm sure you have a million stories of seeing nurses retaliate against. Every nurse I know has seen a nurse suspended, written up, fired. It's all the time.
2: Yeah, it's a huge thing within our our profession. So Sam and I found you on TikTok. And I... One of the first things that you really hit on was um, the curtain or the fabrication behind the idea of like the nursing shortage. Yeah. I'm really curious from your standpoint, can you speak to this a little bit? Because I think this is something that, you know, we hear all the time. There's a nursing shortage. There's a nursing shortage. Like there's not enough of us. Blah blah blah. blah. I mean, there's 4 million of us, but obviously we need more hands. But what is your take on this from the leadership standpoint?
0: Yeah, I mean, have you ever known a time in your entire career where there wasn't a nursing shortage? No. No nurse has. And I don't care if you're the oldest nurse, right? No one has known a time where there wasn't a supposed nursing shortage. Yeah, so like you said, there's 4 million nurses in this country. Every nursing school turns, you know, qualified applicants away three semesters out of the year. And Mm -hmm. not just one or two, but dozens, sometimes hundreds. There's constantly a flow of people coming into the profession. And yes, okay, some are retiring and all of that. But this is not a profession lacking in people going into it, you know? Uh, To say there's a shortage of nurses is really a misnomer. There's a shortage of nurses that are willing at this point to work in really toxic, unsafe conditions, period. It's not a shortage of the amount of nurses. And that is the rhetoric that they want the public to believe. And so I actually, when I first went into leadership, I was drinking the Kool-Aid all those years. And I thought, there's a nursing shortage. And then I got to see behind the scenes and see administrators and managers throw this term around almost gleefully, (laughs) Because it's such a convenient excuse to get out of staffing. They want there to be a nursing shortage. They absolutely want there to be one. It is a win-win for healthcare administration when they can say there's a nursing shortage. It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card to never have to staff. And they don't want to staff because they save a ton of money by not staffing properly. A ton.
2: Right. Operating on less hands is more financially beneficial to the organization.
0: Absolutely. And it's not even just the wages of the nurses to staff it properly. It's all the other stuff, the benefits and everything that they have to pay into. Nursing is the largest labor force and cost in any healthcare facility regardless. And they want to cut that cost.
1: Well, and plus, if you keep having turnover with cheap... Or not cheap. I won't say we're not cheap, but if you keep having turnover with new nurses leaving, that you're replacing more with new nurses because those are the ones that really seem to be like they do a couple years, they peace out. They do new ones come in, do a couple years, peace out. So you're just constantly like rotating in all these people that you're getting to hire at the entry level wages as well.
0: Yeah, the average cost of turnover, a nurse attrition, is a little over forty thousand.
1: Per nurse. Jeez,
0: per nurse. So insane. Up, up to fifty-two thousand per nurse. So this equates to an average hospital losing between $3.6 three point six million and six point five million per year.
1: Oh <laughs> isn't it just cheaper to pay us more? Like what right. pardon my French, but what the actual fuck? <laughs> like Yeah. That's why I just yeah. it's so short-sighted. It is. It's it blows my mind. The the cost to train someone and then mm-hmm. yeah, the, the amount of of all of that, so the the expense of the turnover when you could have just put in half of that money to retain them, and mm-hmm. then you're just getting better quality on top of that, right. better happy work environment. Like every, everyone wins. Why is this yeah. this way? So you have to remember. <laughs> Walk us through not, this.
0: <laughs> it's not just uh, the financial savings, like that's that's a big component of it. But there's also a control issue. So if you constantly have a workforce that is majority new grad nurses, inexperienced, they don't, They haven't been empowered, they haven't found their voice yet, they don't know a basis of comparison, all of that, then you can easily control and manipulate your workforce into things like thinking unions are bad or, you know, I just saw my coworker get terminated so I can't speak up. You know, the older nurses have seen the bullshit for a long time, and they're less apt to fall for it. But if you constantly have a workforce that's naive, you can control them really easily.
2: Oh, that's an interesting I used to think
1: unions were bad.
0: Oh, for sure. Same.
1: Now I'm like,
2: revolutionized. (laughs) Okay, because Sam and I have worked for both union and non-union hospitals. Me too. Um, And my question, I, I have another question for you. This is something that I don't understand why this happens. So this this happens at several hospitals where they hire new people on, right? And those people stay for, let's say, like three or four years. And then they do, quote unquote, a market adjustment, right? So then the market adjustment
1: will... What, your one and a half percent? Right. Okay, so
2: the people (laughs) who have been there for X amount of time essentially will be making very little more than the new people coming in, Mm -hmm. which has never made sense to me. And that drives people away because now here's the thing, all of these things are publicized. People know them. Like we're talking about it more. Like that stuff is now very much, you can see it on the internet, Google what the rates are. You can see it. People are talking. Why are these hospitals doing this? And it's over and over and over and over. And all these nurses, I would say in the past, like probably 10, 8 years like we're seeing this happen over and over why does this keep happening
0: yeah they you know the only way to really get a raise a substantial raise in nursing is to quit a job and go get a new job right literally yes yeah. lateral move Right. yeah unless unless you happen to be fortunate enough to be part of a really Proactive union that's really going to advocate for you and get that into your agreement, you know, guaranteed raises for the next four years and whatnot. You're really not going to get anything that equates even to cost of living unless you quit and go somewhere else. Uh, again, they they don't care about the longevity. They don't care about the turnover. They really view nurses, unfortunately, as very replaceable. dispens, you know.
2: Utility. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And again, they prefer having the new grads. They will never admit that, but they prefer having the new grads because cost savings and they can control their workforce.
1: You're just happy to have a job when you graduate. That's your fear. Graduating is like, I want to get a job. Mm -hmm. So you're just happy to be invited to the party. Exactly. (laughs) You don't realize the party
2: sucks. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: As the host of the party and leadership, <laughs> um, I'm curious from your standpoint, what some the qualities of of good management, like in your humble opinion, what are some really good qualities? Because obviously we're seeing things and I love that you're bringing up all of these things, red flags, the gas lighting, you know, just what should we as the labor force really value in our in our management
0: a manager or an administrator that is going to be proactive instead of reactive so always planning ahead for the worst case scenario you know had we done that we would have had all the ppe for example right we should always be thinking that six months from now we're gonna have a massive labor shortage and planning ahead with a contingency plan They don't do that. They operate from a perspective of being reactive. Oh no, (laughs) the table broke. What are we going to do now? You know, like instead of, Oh no, our table (laughs) is
2: broken. Oh no, 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 no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I, I don't for the life of me understand that because in other industries, that's like leadership 101. But for some reason in nursing, it's just completely out the window. They would rather operate from a very delayed, reactive approach rather than proactive. And you know, also, they, why are why is no one addressing moral distress <laughs> like oh, properly properly yeah. addressing it? It's yeah. more than just a catchphrase. To throw around, they need to have like a multidisciplinary approach to that. So that means your manager, your employee assistance program, um, psychology, you know, counselors, whatever you need. But it needs to be taken seriously, and again, from a proactive approach. And then getting down to just like the basics of including nurses in decision-making, you know, more than just paying it lip service, but like nurses need to be included in EHR decisions, right? Like your Epic, your all that, and new supplies and new equipment. Why are you not including the bedside nurse in these when they're the ones that are going to be using it? It makes no sense to me. So those are things that I think managers need to work
2: on it's so funny because one of the facilities that i work at just switched over from using iv pumps they were using um what's the ones that we use hilarious and they switched over to now brawn
1: why brawn is trash thank
2: you and i use I'm like brawn on who transport made...
1: thank you who made this decision well we use brawn on transport solely for the fact that like it's just we take what we need. Right. And I'm on a fucking helicopter and in, an ambulance and it's like it's smaller. Makes, it's yeah. Okay. But fine. like Braun is trash. But they
2: completely like. switched over. And I, Sorry, my, Braun. my mind is absolutely blown as to that decision. And I'm like, who is making these decisions? Because from a bedside perspective, I would bet most people who have had experience with that equipment would much prefer Alaris or something up, even
1: Right, Braun is the meditech of IV pumps. Absolutely, <laughs> honestly. Here's my unpopular opinion on nursing leadership. Okay. So I have my I have my MSN in leadership. I did 240 clinical hours with a very high level leadership role to get my MSN, and I've dabbled in working on that side of things. And I quickly realized that I am not PC enough. I would <laughs> I would I would get fired so fast because. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm like you, where I will stand up and say what I think is right. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets me in trouble. And then yeah. I just, I <laughs> I wouldn't survive. So I I so thought I, about it. I dabbled. I dabbled. Yeah. So instead I just take it here because yeah. you can't fucking censor me here, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's a
0: constant daily struggle for me. Believe me.
1: <sighs> yeah. But my thing is where I, why I think healthcare leadership lacks is because A lot of these people aren't actually equipped with formal leadership training or skills. It's someone that got their degree, worked as a charge nurse after being a charge nurse, was like, fuck it, I'll be a manager. And then they just become a manager. And then they learn on the job of how to be a manager by already just working the role. And then from there, they might climb the ranks a little bit more. Some might go back to school. But it's a lot different than the business world or the corporate world where their degree is meant for training for that and then they're working in office environment settings where their training and skills are a lot more about leadership and business and running Mm -hmm. a company. Whereas, no offense, but a lot of management in healthcare, specifically hospitals, are like charge nurses that wake up one day, like Elwood's, like, what? Like, it's hard? And then <laughs> you exactly. just become a manager. And it's like, you were not equipped to do this job. And then you learned on the job by people who also weren't equipped to do this job. And you're all just like, yeah, it's like a vicious circle. What, what kind of shit show are we running here? Right. I feel like the education and training is just really lacking.
0: It is. And, It's kind of a popularity contest a lot of the time. Absolutely. You know, they they pick people strategically that they think are going to be yes men. Yes. Well, were you a yes man as
1: a charge nurse and did you conform? And I I never was. And that's why I quickly kind of left that route because I was labeled as like a problem child. And I'm like, am I a problem child or do I just really want what's best? For my patients and for my fellow coworkers, Right. Exactly. You're the squeaky wheel. I am also the squeaky wheel. (laughs) That's why I vibe with you.
2: (laughs) I am really curious about this. Okay, so let's say you're speaking to someone who is interested in getting into leadership or you're speaking to someone who's in leadership and is facing
1: a lot of these uphill battles. What pieces of advice do you have for them? All right, before we get into that, and this is kind of timely because... Mm -hmm. We are big advocates on find a job that supports you Mm -hmm. and that is a good fit for you. And if that's something you're looking to do, then we have a really good resource for you. Yes, we We've do. We've actually partnered with Incredible Health. They're a hiring platform that helps nurses find their next permanent role in 20 days or less. They help match you to roles that fit your experience and are in your desired locations. They're trusted by over 500 hospitals and health systems, like including Kaiser, Cedars-Sinai, Johns Hopkins, many others. And they help connect those employers to people like you.
2: So, how it works is you create a profile and upload your resume or your work information, and then they match you to jobs that match your skills and qualifications. And then let the interview requests come in. Not only that, they also have amazing nurse resources. Their nurse salary estimator also shows you what nurses like you are making in your location, which I think is a great addition. So, you can kind of compare and see what's going on in that area. And everything is 100% free for nurses. So, whether you're looking for a career change or looking for new roles in new locations incredible health is the best place for you to advance your career so you guys head over to incrediblehealth.com and check it out today create a free profile and get on that job search
1: on top of that they also have one-on-one support from nurse advocates and they can help you polish your resume give you interview tips and even help vet your job offers love that for us Do it. Mm -hmm. Incrediblehealth.com. Get on it. Use the link in our bio. It's the best way. (laughs) Yes, please. Just support the show. And if you are thinking about it's time for a new job, new role, new position. It's definitely time to fix up that resume.
2: Absolutely. Many of us in the nursing profession understand that it's so important to stand out against other applicants, but how do you do that, right? You find the best resource, Resume RX. This is fill-in-the-blank solutions for your resume and cover letter to help you stand out and
1: land the career of your dreams. It's super easy to you. It's very much like plug-and-play. Tori and I both used it had great results yes so we're saying this from personal experience 10 out of 10 recommend and they actually have a black friday sale that starts it runs friday to monday so uh use one, everything's already like they have a bundle that already has a huge discount, but then you get an extra discount if you use our code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E. will get you an extra 20% on top of the Black Friday deal.
2: She offers a bunch of different templates, so you can definitely choose the one that fits you. You guys head over to Resume RX and use our code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 20% off of your order. You can also click the link in our show notes or it's linked in our bio as well over on IG. Love that for you. Love that for you. All
1: right, let's get back into it.
0: Yeah. You know, being a manager, like middle management level, is truly the worst position in the hospital. And I hesitate to say that because
1: I agree. Obviously,
0: bedside nursing has it the worst. But when I tell you that is the most thankless, (laughs) most stressful position because you're getting it from both directions nonstop. And if you make one, happy the other one is not inevitably mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. i i'm always very forthcoming and warn them and tell them about my journey i do this all the time actually i i mentor nurses all the time that are new to leadership or are in leadership and struggling with it and just like with anything else sometimes they just need validation because they will make you think you're crazy you know <laughs> cuz right, you know you're right. doing the right thing and you're trying to accomplish something good And they're just coming down on you and telling you you're a failure and you're not a team player and you're not doing this and you've never worked harder in your life and you just can't figure out what's wrong with you. So oftentimes, just validating their experience is all you need to do. You know,
2: I know it's a, it is. It's such a thankless job. And it's so something that you don't realize. I think, you know, Sam and I both talked about this like early on, I think in your career, you just don't, you don't, see it or understand the issues until you're really in it. And having watched, you know, Sam and I have been through a lot of management. We've had a lot of turnover in several jobs, right? And I can't imagine, I mean, you know, it's, it deters people from wanting to do it. It deters people from wanting to be in those leadership roles. I mean, I don't know, what do you think? Are you seeing any changes going on? Or do you think there's a world where Nurses can be managers and do their job effectively.
0: I think as long as you have non clinicians in the C suite making the medical decisions, no, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. As long as you have a 35 year old Mm -hmm. MBA with no Mm -hmm. medical background as the CEO calling the shots over physicians and clinicians, no, no. We need to get physicians and practitioners and nurses into those roles. And it's fine if they also go out and get their MBA, but you need to have the clinical background.
1: And I think that's why unions are kind of so important, because they're the ones that are going to step up to those non-clinical MBA type Mm -hmm. professionals and say, listen, from a healthcare standpoint, no.
0: Yeah.
2: Love
1: that. Yeah. yeah. So can you actually kind of like go into well, what is your background with unions?
0: Oh yeah. So I've worked in in unionized and non-unionized facilities. I've been a member of two different unions over the years. Uh, one of the hardest things for me was when I first went into management and I had to step down from the union because you can't mm. be a member of the union in management. Uh, and so that that was hard for me. Um I don't I don't have one of those great stories like uh, you know, my dad was a coal miner, and I was taught to never complain like, i my my family background has no union history or anything. I just saw firsthand the abuse and toxic work environments in nursing and saw how. If you worked in a unionized facility, you had some protections and you also tended to get wage increases and other things in place to protect you. And if you didn't work in a unionized facility, you got fired. <laughs> you know, I just saw this firsthand for so long that I figured out early on, it's better to be part of the union than not. Uh, but, you know, it, in my opinion and the opinion of the last pizza party, there's only two things that are ever going to hold healthcare administrators accountable, meaning make them do the right thing for nurses. One is mandated legislation like you have in California. And the other is unions who, you know, work towards the mandated legislation, right? If if left to their own devices, healthcare administrators are never going to just wake up one day and go, you know, let's take care of the nurses. (laughs) Let's do the right thing. Let's, let's give them safe staffing ratios and, and, you know, all the equipment and livable wages and all of, they're not going to do that. Only if they're forced, will they do that? So unions are pivotal in that.
2: So I kind of want to go back because I, it's so interesting that you say this because Sam and I also, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did not grow up in a family with that had unions either. And I think this it's becoming more and more of a conversation, right, where this is, like, very much on the forefront. Can you give maybe a little background about unions or, like, just, like, the purpose and, like, the overall global view of unions and especially specifically in the dynamic of our profession?
0: Yeah, you know, unions are the reason that we have weekends and 40-hour work weeks instead of 100-hour work weeks like it used to be and the reason we don't have child labor, (laughs) like. all these things I think it's not really taught the history of unions and or people have forgotten unions are really what built this country I just for the life of me don't understand why people view it as a negative thing I understand the the dogma that's been you know shoved down their throat for years and years Mm -hmm. but why not take a moment to look at something objectively and your, do your research. And, you know, it, it's yeah. pivotal. We, we need trade unions. They're, you know, they're not only one of the most um, appreciable ways of addressing things like systemic racism in the workplace, that you do that through your union. If you report that kind of thing without a union in place you're probably going to be retaliated against, even if it's 100% true. You know, I I, I could just go on and on. It's, I I just don't for the life of me understand why people can't think freely and look at something objectively and go, yeah, why wouldn't you want an organization whose sole purpose is to look out for your best interest?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, the weird thing I think I hear is in opposition to unions is, well, it protects people that don't work hard or lazy or bad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the the rhetoric. That is the outliers, though. And yeah, some of those people do get to kind of benefit from it. But I've still seen those people be ultimately let go or fired from union hospitals and stuff. It was It's not as easy because you can't just blanket statement. But it's, it's like, great. it's good that they have those protections in the sense where if you get wrongfully accused of something, you would want those same protections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And exactly. once they do their due diligence, those people still end up getting fired or let go or whatever. So I just, I feel like that's such a weak argument to say, well, it protects or it rewards people who do the very minimal, minima, work. minimal work and everything. And I'm like, that's such a weak argument because those are, again, the outliers, the very few outliers.
0: And, you know, there's an element of truth truth to that. But- yeah. As someone who's been a manager in a unionized facility, I can tell you firsthand, you can absolutely terminate subpar employees. I've personally done it. Yes, it's more work. Yes, I have to make sure I document everything for a period of time and show that there's, you know, progressive a discipline trend. and mm-hmm. yeah, a trend right. and that they've been given a chance to fix things. And, you know, yes, it's more work, but I would rather have more work on my plate as a manager, and my nurses be protected than the other way around.
2: Something else that I think is really interesting that you brought up, and I think is actually a really poignant, like a big point to this, is unions were really designed for the trade and workforce right and I think it's interesting because we're also in a time with nursing where we're progressively trying to enforce education 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 so we're in this workforce or in this profession where it's educated profession so it's almost like I feel as though we have this cloud or this image of we're not supposed to be in that category of unions or that what we're doing doesn't qualify for unions or somehow it puts us in this separate category. And it's interesting because I'm like, nursing is still a trade. Right. When you really look at the base of it, yes, are we pushing education? Are we moving forward as a profession? Absolutely. But really at the base of it, when you think about the soldiers on the field and who's at the bedside and who's really putting in the work, like it's a trade. Can I
1: respectfully disagree with you? I agree, but I disagree. Okay. Okay. I 100% agree that we are definitely a more educated profession. I had one of my most respected um, mentors in nursing give me that, what you just said about unions are not good for our profession because we are trying to push the fact that we are educated individuals and blah, blah, blah. I agree with her in that sense. I agree... I don't feel like we are a trade. I think we are highly educated. We work very autonomously. We have a lot of even standing orders. We have to make critical thinking decisions. We are not, if the way, the level that we operate and critically think, I think it is minimizing our profession to say we're a trade. But here's where I like the the disagreement comes in because I agree with you about everything you said that the education or that we still need unions. I think we still need unions because we should normalize the fact that Unions shouldn't be there to just protect these trade professions. Mm -hmm. It should be protecting anyone in the labor force. I think that physicians also need certain protections. Those new resident physicians come in that are getting their asses handed to them, where they finally put some restrictions saying, these guys can't work 96-hour work weeks. That's absurd. Or they can't do, like, 18-hour call shifts or post-call. I don't know what their – their hours used to be – insane yeah and they finally kind of cracked down and said that's not safe and they you know have an advanced practice they have a medical degree that's like they are doctors and so i don't think that unions should just be normalized mi- unions. Min- like minimalized to only trade professions right. i think that a lot of other like even teachers and firefighters have unions that's kind of i guess the trade a little bit i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever but in general i just think Anyone in the labor force is always going to be taken advantage by someone else. Even someone as highly educated as physicians are still going to be taken advantage of because there's still a financial bottom line. And I think that labor force should be protected, whether it's from... At all, at all levels, basically. But that's a good point. My, actually, and, that's and, where I respectfully disagree. Yeah, the yeah, no,
2: I actually think that's a really good point, and that is something you know, I don't know where or why in our society we've gotten so far away from the idea of, of support in unions or maybe the purpose of them, you know, to protect the workforce. So That's a good point. I like yeah,
0: that. I agree, and I kind of equate it to you know, if if you're needing to go to court and defend yourself, do you want to have the public defender? who's just going to try and push everything through or, or do you want to have your own defense attorney whose sole purpose is to you know, protect your best interest and fight for you? It's kind of the same thing. I don't think that unions need to be solely for trades. I, I think you're right. It needs to be physicians. Anyone that feels that they need a union should be entitled to having a union. Which is why we need to pass the pro act
2: wait yeah. can we go into that really yeah, quick that us is about that that's a huge thing yeah huge topic that we would definitely wanted to touch on
0: yeah so there's you know three pieces of legislation that i and the last pizza party really uh support and feel would be game changers for the nursing profession the safe staffing act the workplace violence act and the pro act so the pro act is protecting the right to organize and it's, it's a huge, inclusive, complicated piece of legislation, but the part that I'm really excited about is it would make it exponentially easier to unionize. It would take things away uh, or it would put things in place to hold healthcare administrators financially accountable if they did anything to impede an organizing or unionizing process. Right now, it's kind of a slap on the slap on the wrist really nothing comes of it but there would actually be things in place to hold them accountable with with huge penalties so and it would take away things like the mandatory um, anti-union meetings that you have to go to twice a week and be manipulated and brainwashed you know all these things so that's the pro act in a nutshell
2: and then also another one that you it's a proposed federal rn Patient safe staffing ratio. Yeah, can you speak on that really quickly as well?
0: Yeah, so it's got a crazy name. It's uh, Nurse Staffing Standards for Hospital Patient Safety and Quality of Care Act.
1: That's a lot. It's a, mouthful. That's a lot to handle.
0: <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah. So I, in the last pizza party, we went to Washington D.C. in May when it was reintroduced to raise awareness for it. It's been introduced for many years. And historically, it's just allowed to die in the Senate. So it great. just, it just kind of expires every year, even in the midst of 2020, when uh, nurses were heroes and healthcare heroes was everywhere, you know, everywhere, it still died in the Senate. That so, was short-lived. Yeah. That goes to show you <laughs> how, how much it's not valued, but we gotta keep fighting for it nonetheless. Um, and the momentum is there now more than ever before. So essentially it would make it uh, federal mandated ratios much like California has, but on a federal nationwide level. It's based on specialty, but it also has verbiage that takes acuity into account. And prevents them from manipulating the numbers by doing things like saying the charge nurse or the manager or the nurse mm-hmm. educator are counted into staffing, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, some of the examples are uh, med surge one to four, NICU one to two, psych one to four, rehab one to five, step down telly one to three. Um, the one I'm really excited about is SNF one to five that would be a game changer a massive game changer because you know they'll get 30 40 50 like it's insane it's insane what they do
1: and i think they would draw more nurses even into that that would be open to working in sniffs if they knew that they weren't going to get their ass handed to them by having an absurd amount of patients. that's why it's not a big draw for people to want to do that job because they know that they're going to get overworked and underpaid but Exactly. They knew that the ratios were okay and they don't want the sometimes mayhem of what working in a hospital is like. A lot more people would probably be drawn into that field well not only that the patient outcomes would improve oh uh, that's i mean let's ha- just talk about down. that that's like Absolutely. the base of
2: all of this and that's like the whole thing is you know why are we not thinking about the patients why are we that that's the whole premise of this other than and obviously focusing
1: someone's on got a good a bonus and <laughs> someone's got to get on a yacht and go on vacation
0: right you know there's there's studies that show that each additional patient that a nurse has over the recommended ratio All of the patients collectively have an increased risk of 7 to 10% per patient of death or serious complication.
2: I'm really curious about this. Okay, so these proposed things that are sitting in the Senate, how do we get this? What is the best way for us to all help drive this forward? Like, what are ways that we can actively be like, okay, we want to make sure that this is something that is on the docket, that this is like a priority to all of our politicians. How do we, where do we even start with that?
0: yeah, you just need to pressure your legislators. And it's not as complicated as people think. They hear that and they're like, oh my God, I have to write letters, you know. Right, Mm -hmm. right. The trick is really doing it once, saving your template, whether that's an email, snail mail, whatever works for you, and then doing it every week. It doesn't have to be long and complicated, but putting in verbiage that says something to the effect of, if you don't support this legislation, I and my family will not support you in any re-election campaigns in the future. I'm a nurse. Here's my, you know, you you could give one, like, powerful example of why this is important. And that's it. Keep it simple.
2: This is a really dumb question, but who do you focus on sending that information to? Is it a senator? Is it a lot? Like, how do you, who do you focus on?
0: So for the PRO Act and the Violence Against Healthcare Workers Act, those two have already passed the House of Representatives and are just waiting, essentially, to be voted on in the Senate, and they're just collecting dust, going nowhere. So for those two, you need to pressure your senators. Uh, in particular, the PRO Act, the two from Arizona, Kirsten Cinema and Mark Warner, and the one from Virginia. Those three in particular are holding up the PRO Act. Uh, so if you know okay. anyone in Arizona, tell them to okay. put pressure on them.
1: Hem Arizona alum hey, uh, over here. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> she went to college in Arizona. I went to U of A. There so you go. All of
2: my uh, U of A scum devils, also, all of you. Everybody, selfie people in Arizona. That's awesome.
0: Tell them. Yeah. Send that. Send that email every week. Every week, and just threaten to withdraw any future support in reelection campaigns because that's what they care about. Right. And mm-hmm. when you say right. not just me but my entire family, they're like, "Oh, that matters to me now." You know.
1: Um, as far me as me and my entire selfie squad, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're like, "What?" As
0: far as the Safe Staffing Act, uh, that one was reintroduced in May. It's it's just kind of sitting there. I, I couldn't even tell you what they're doing with it. It would appear that they're doing nothing. It has not passed the House of Representatives. It's just sitting there. And our fear is that they're going to let it die again, like they've done every year.
2: Yeah. So we need to start getting some eyes on this and attention. So yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a great way because I do feel like this is something I hope that we see in our generation. Like, Do you think there's ever a time in our lifetime that we will not need unions or support? Like, do you think that's going to happen?
0: <laughs> do you think that there's a time that we can trust healthcare administrators to do the right thing? <laughs> uh, it's laughable.
2: Checkmate.
1: She check- just checkmated you.
2: Checkmate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, you're so crazy. Do you, okay. So, and then obviously this is a little timely. Um, so obviously Kaiser Permanente just had the quite possibly the largest, I would say most attention to a strike that has happened in yeah. a lifetime.
1: Yeah. I think this is the most I've seen on the news or in mainstream media coverage. Absolutely, Yeah. Very, right.
0: very exciting times. Yeah.
1: I'm curious from your, from your standpoint, like what
2: are some takeaways that, you know, we took away from that moment and keeping the momentum forward. Like how do we continue to continue that this idea and the
0: precedent? If this doesn't teach nurses and healthcare workers that there's power in numbers, then nothing ever will. Because look at look at these numbers. They came together. Some reports were up to a hundred thousand workers were going to potentially be out simultaneously. Always, always the goal of a threat of a strike is to avoid the strike. You know, that almost always happens at the last minute. Someone's going to call someone's bluff. You know, it's going to be three in the morning right beforehand, unfortunately. Uh, But that's the goal is to avert a strike and have management cave, essentially. And that's what happened. And that's amazing. Amazing. I've heard from numerous people that one of the reasons that Kaiser caved was because they couldn't get enough scab nurses, which I think is huge, huge. You know, I, it shows that what we're doing is helping and it's working. You know, I I'm part of me was excited to be there. I was planning on going down there for the strike Uh, and just being part of like the energy of it. I wanted to be part of that. So I was a little disappointed, but ultimately it's a win. And I'm so happy about that for everyone involved.
2: I mean, and what I thought was interesting about this was it wasn't just nurses, it was pharmacists. It was, you know, there was a lot of different healthcare workers that all signed on for this. So I don't know. I thought that this was such a really cool moment and hopefully something that moving forward for other unions or other hospitals or other people in the country who are seeing that, like to know that, you know, it is strength in numbers, power in numbers. Yeah. And making yourself heard.
0: Yeah. And even if you're in a place that doesn't have a union or they've convinced you that you can't have a union, there's really only a couple places where you really can't unionize. So that's usually not true, even though they tell you that, uh, but you can still organize and use your power in numbers. You just don't call it a union, but you do the same thing, you know? So people need to learn. We are the largest workforce or one of the largest workforces. There's no reason that we should be taken advantage of like this.
2: For people who are a part of unions and maybe not a part of unions, do you have any any good tips or things that you know, as being a member of the union that we should be aware of or things that we should think about. And then maybe to someone who's not a part of a union, anything that, you know, you think is a good tip for them.
0: Yeah. Just like I said, organize, even if you don't have a union, start getting smart about it, do your research, have those conversations outside of patient care areas. Cause that's actually a rule, uh, and start, you know, planning, planning ahead. Um, you, I just can't I can't emphasize enough how much better the conditions could be for nurses and all healthcare workers if they had an organization looking out for them. Unions are not perfect. You know, I've certainly dealt with unions in my own personal experience and been like, yeah, they dropped the ball on that. There are unions that are stronger than others, but they're only as strong as their members. So remember, you can vote your union reps in and out, right? And there's nothing saying you even have to stay with a particular union, you can get a whole new union, if that's what you need to do. But stop just sitting and bitching about it. And at least work towards doing something about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so obviously, we found you on TikTok. Um, What is this? First of all, Let's go back. How did this all start? Where where did you, you know, cuz what I love and something that you've talked about is this new generation of nurses that's coming up and just this new energy and everything. Like, where did TikTok start for you? How did this all begin? We're here for this energy.
0: Yeah, it was really like in the very early days of the pandemic and I literally just downloaded the app to spy on my kids (laughs) (laughs) just like I did with Snapchat, you know, and it's addictive as you know, and I'm obsessed. Yeah. (laughs) Like it just took on a life of its own. And then, uh, my daughter and I made a TikTok about my dog just for fun I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. She had to do it all for me. And then a couple of weeks later, I did one about being a nurse manager and people kind of responded to that. And this was like never part of my plan. If you'd have told me two years ago that I would be in this position, I would have just laughed. I mean, this, I'm the least likely person to be in this position. It's so bizarre to me, but it's... You know, I think that one thing I have is the ability to say and truly believe it that like, yeah, I could get fired tomorrow. I mean, I'm fortunate I have a position where I'm supported, but I'm very keenly aware that what I'm saying is very controversial and I could cross that right. imaginary line at any time of saying too much and they could be like, That's We, it, we feel we, this every we, day. We yeah. feel you. I'm yeah. always like...
1: Oh, yes. Sam, yes. you are, you ride a line. I ride a thin line. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Yeah, I mean, we do. Which is crazy. We but do. we feel strongly about what, what we're, we're doing. doing. So we do it. Yeah, always. and I'm, yeah.
0: I'm kind of of this perspective that somehow I've always been taken care of. And I've always, I don't mean that like, you know, from a financial aspect, but because I've been a single mom forever and ever. My children's father passed away when they were young. Like I've had to do everything on my own with no support, but I've always just kind of landed on my feet throughout all. And so I feel like, okay, I could get fired tomorrow. I'll land on my feet. I don't know how, but I will. I'll land on my feet somehow. So I'm just going to do what needs to be done and say what needs to be said. And as far as I can tell, I'm one, if not the only one from a nursing leadership perspective that's talking about what happens behind the curtain and that girl you're way
1: cooler than them because they're all on Facebook (laughs) and you're on TikTok you knew where to go (laughs) it's not even like you know like Instagram is that middle ground where people that have Facebook also have Instagram but people that are Facebook users do not even know how to open up TikTok
2: yeah they
1: don't even like I guarantee you like I don't have Facebook anymore but I guarantee you, all the people that I know are on Facebook, they're like minimally on IG. Yeah. And they I feel like they don't really understand how Instagram even quite works. And I'm like, this isn't Facebook. What are you doing on here? Like, you're you don't you don't get it? So TikTok is like way beyond their abilities. This is so why I was I so love, impressed. Yeah. I was
2: so impressed with you. I saw one of your videos <laughs> caught my attention and I was like, oh my god. First of all, She's a manager. Second of all, she's like cool. On TikTok. And talking on TikTok. I'm like, this is amazing. It's just, yeah. I'm here for this energy. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Okay, so is there anything just speaking to upcoming healthcare providers? What piece of advice do you have for them? Three tips.
0: Uh, you know, I'm always an advocate. Get get certified in your specialty, whatever your specialty is. Uh, certifications go a lot farther than even advanced degrees. nursing in my opinion i've seen it help people way 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 more professionally so get certified when you can in your specialty don't discount that know your rights as an employee you know know that they can't always pull you into an office and they can't always manipulate your schedule and all the other things that they do know your rights and know that you will unfortunately be confronted with abuse at work like it's not a question of if it's a question of when so be prepared for that it's inevitable
2: do you have anything exciting coming up that you want to tell the audience about
0: oh i do i can't talk about a lot of it um well I, okay so i did just start finally finally my website it's nurse it's barely up and running it's brand new so that's exciting uh, we are launching a, through the last pizza party, TLPP for the last pizza party, uh, travel opportunity. And I can't talk about that too much yet. Uh, what I can say is it's, we're starting with something in Southern California at the beginning of the year, but this is, well, hi, oh, you know yep. where we live. Yep. Yes. And there is actually your NICU, right? Or no, your NICU,
1: You're I'm, I'm former yes. NICU. I do NICU transports so. Okay. I'm trans. So we actually so I do, you, pick do you.
0: have NICU opportunities. I just found out. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. So this is starting off as kind of a traditional, but not traditional travel thing. But it's, if all goes right, going to segue into something that could potentially truly revolutionize nursing in this country. Oh, and exciting. I don't mean to be cryptic. Ooh. I'm just not at a point where we can talk about it yet, but we will be soon. So I'm super, super excited and I'm excited for the first like group of cohort nurses that are going to trust us and take this leap because they're going to truly be the pioneers of something amazing. Well, we will be staying tuned for that. Can you do a quick
2: recap of the last pizza party? Just like where it started and your whole Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the last pizza party uh, started in the midst of COVID pandemic early on. It was co-founded by myself and Nurse Nander. She's on TikTok and Instagram. And it was really just like a series of late night conversations between her and I about the status of the nursing profession, how it's crumbling and dying. And she really convinced me to start advocating. I've been advocating for years, but I kind of thought "Mm, nurses are just too apathetic. It's not gonna happen. She convinced me to give it like one last try. So here we are over a year later and it's really taken on a life of its own. I mean, nurses know the meaning behind the last pizza party, right? blood pizza oh, yeah. we don't want it anymore it's symbolic with blood poor, pizza. Poor staffing and unsafe working conditions right so that's that's the meaning right. behind the name but it's really a grassroots nurse advocacy movement
1: i love that and it's so clever yeah because oh, we yeah. like you said we all know especially yeah. night shift when you don't even get, get it exactly hot. you don't even get hot blood pizza yeah.
2: <laughs> Please tell me you have merch. Do you have Last Pizza Party merch? We need some blood dripping off of that do. pizza. We do. We need a roll. have
0: the Last Pizza Party merch. It's on thelastpizzapartymovement.org. And uh, I have some merch that I just started that's on nurseerica.com. Um, and it's all about like solidarity and not crossing, respect the line and all of that. So for strike season. Love that. Mm. We
1: love a strike October yeah. Strike November. Yeah, yeah. So where can everyone find you to follow up with all this? Yes.
0: At the Nurse Erica on TikTok and Instagram, uh, nurseerica.com, the website. I have had a lot of people asking me to start like a YouTube and a podcast and all of that. And I would love to. I just... It's overwhelming for me, but I haven't done that yet. Same,
1: <laughs> we're we feel you.
0: We're we're in that boat for sure. I'm also on Twitter at Nurse Be Brave. What's your favorite platform? Is TikTok your favorite? Uh, TikTok is my favorite,
2: but
1: you're so they're, cool. They're
0: not, you know, they're not nice to creators. They constantly ban mm. us, and it's yeah. it's yeah. So many people
1: get taken
0: down it's weird it's really problematic but i love tiktok it just needs to be harnessed we
2: feel you it is
1: the wild west a little bit
2: yeah yeah for real thank you so
1: much erica yeah for this coming has on been today. a really exciting chat to yeah. you're hear welcome. All it you. was
2: a lot of fun we can't wait to see everything that's coming up for you too we cannot anytime you want to come back on the show let's do a follow-up we're gonna do bring you back and do a follow-up this is just we love everything you're doing i would love to anytime just let me know Perfect. thank you thank you have a great weekend. Well, that was different. Oh, my gosh. This one, I just feel like I keep with her. I feel like I've learned so much and definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. It kind of does pull back the curtain. Yeah, for sure. Which I think is important. I think getting to see all sides of things and learn and, and grow and, you know, all those fun things.
1: Again, I think that collaboration on both sides, administration mm-hmm. and us, is ultimately what's going to lead to valuable change for the whole industry. So absolutely. That was Great insights. Yeah, lead by change. I love it. And
2: thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at c e l l f i e underscore podcast, and check
1: the link in our bio. That's where all of our partners and sponsors are. And if you please head on over, leave us a review, five stars. Drop your IG handle in the review. We will be sending out free stickers, badge reels. Pins, all, all of our goodies—they
2: goodies. are coming your way. So, and make sure you're following us on our Insta. So that's at Nurse
1: Tori and at Hey Samantha with two A's. And we will see you. Ooh, bonus, bonus, this bonus is a good Friday. One. We're doing a little check-in with uh Tori. Yeah, we're doing a little update. Yeah. I was very,
2: I was hesitant to do this one, I but it's gonna her. be fun. She, she did. She it's forced good, me too. It's good. So, see you guys
1: on Friday and happy holidays. Enjoy your dry ass turkey. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.